Welcome to the Storycraft Cafe. Come in, grab a cup of your favorite beverage, and get ready to join the storytelling conversation. Storycraft Cafe is brought to you by Dabble, the ultimate cloud-based fiction writing software. Here we're going to bring together storytellers from all walks to encourage and empower you to craft your best story. Thanks for joining us once again for the Storycraft Cafe podcast. We've got a great show for you today with Annie England Noblin. We talk all about writing um, seasonal books that are fun and sweet and, you know, just give you all of the seasonal holiday feels. If you've ever been interested in writing a book, targeting uh, this genre or subgenre, or if you're a lover of these kinds of stories, this is a great show for you, or if you're just interested in a writer's life and hearing about their journey, uh, Annie really brings a great show for us today. Be sure to join us over on our YouTube channel as we've been going through our Preptober series, getting ready for NaNoWriMo. I've thought about releasing some of those shows here on the audio podcast channel, but they really deserve the video treatment as well, because we do a lot of stepping through things that you kind of need to see. So I'm going to put a link to the YouTube channel and those videos specifically in the show notes of this episode. So if that interests you and you're doing NaNoWriMo this year, click on over there and watch the three episodes we've uh, released so far. Our final Preptober video will release this Wednesday coming up. So join us over there. Now on to our show with Annie England Noblin. And we are live in the Storycraft Cafe. I am your host, Hank Garner, and today I am super excited to have Annie England Noblin. Yes. The, yes. I, I practiced that all morning, Annie, and then I almost stepped over myself after. <laughs> I, anyway, um, Annie is here uh, to talk all about uh, fun uh, romantic um, holiday season books and she's got a brand new book that today is release day for and it's Christmas at Corgi Cove and what a fun book this is uh, Annie your your publisher was so um, kind to send over a, an advance review copy and uh, Gollum is uh, reading it at the moment on my shelf over here and um what a fun book. I love this book and uh, it, it it was just so much fun, gave me such warm holiday vibes. And uh, so I just want to start by telling you how much I love the book. Thank you. Absolutely. Um, I like to start each show with a fun question. And that question is, what is your first memory of wanting to be a writer or storyteller? Probably when I, I was about eight and my grandparents bought me a journal for my birthday okay. because I really liked to write and they thought, you know, yeah. let's get yeah. this kid a journal. And I proceeded to write terrible poetry in it, <laughs> just rhyming poetry where, you know, I had to pick words that rhymed with each other. And sometimes they yeah. were non-words. Um, I think that was the first time I thought, oh, I, I like this. I, you know, I want to keep doing this. 
Love it. So from eight years old, um, did you, after getting that journal and having a place to write down your thoughts, did you kind of consider yourself like, okay, now I'm, I'm an official writer now. And did, did those, were no. you that kid that kind of. I, I was, I feel like I'm like most writers. We struggle to call ourselves writers, you know, even now saying I'm an author feels weird. Right. Um, but it's the only thing I've ever wanted to do. It's the only thing I feel like I've ever even been remotely good at. Um, right. So I just, it's, it's just what I love to do. So um, am I correct? This is your eighth book that you have yes, published. It is. That's amazing. I, I was just looking over your Amazon page and um, you, you definitely seem to have an affinity for pets, for, for yes. dogs, especially. Um, what do you think it is uh, about uh, dogs and, and pets that, that are a catalyst for good stories? I just think for so many of us, if you have a pet, you probably understand that they are so important in your life. And definitely for me, I got my first adult pet (laughs) when I was in my mid twenties and that dog, I feel like saved my life. She moved with me, you know, you know, 10 different times. And every time I get a new job or have to pack up, she was with me. And that was she was just the constant. And I feel like all of my other pets are that way, you know, as well as I get older, that's, you know, they're, they're there for me. And I feel like most characters need that. At least in my books, they do. Yeah. Um, Annie, um, what, what was, uh, you know, going from that, that kid who got the journal from your grandparents and those were amazing grandparents, by the way, um, to then, uh, you know, kind of going through the journey that most of us do, you know, I, I feel like I have the storytelling gene, but I also need to pay bills and, you know, need to figure out what I'm going to do in the world while I pursue my dream or, you know, just establish myself and then come back to my dream. What, what was it that kind of brought you back around to writing? I was a new mom. Um, My son was uh, less than two when I started writing my first novel. I was at a new job. I was a relatively newly married person. Everything in my life was sort of in flux. And I needed a place that I could control that was just mine. And I'd had this idea for a story for a few years, probably five. And I thought, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to write this book, even if nobody reads it. I'm going to do it. Um, And it just sort of came out of the chaos of my life. And I thought, I just have to have a place that I can control that is just mine. Um, And that's what I ended up doing. You know, um, I I started writing my first book when I I had small kids. Um, But there there seems to be something about parenthood um, (laughs) that triggers some. And it's not that way for everyone. Um, You know, because there there are plenty of people who are single or, you know, who don't have children or don't yet have children or, you know, that there there are plenty of those people. But there there does seem to be a a trigger of some sort that, you know, this little person's around and it unlocks all sorts of, uh, I don't know if it's hormonal or what it is, but there, there does seem to be a connection. 
I think so. I, you know, especially when you have it in your, with your first child, I guess, especially maybe you lose a piece of your identity, you know, every, your every day, everything is tied up in this child as it should be. Yeah. But, you know, maybe we go searching for something that, you know, is ours again. And right. maybe writing is, is one of those things. I don't know, but you're right. Yeah. I don't have an answer either, but it does <laughs> seem to, there seems to be a connection. So you had this story idea, you had a, a new baby, a new job, new marriage, everything's in flux. Um, did, uh, did you finish that story idea? I did. That okay. um, is what became my, my first book, Sit, Stay, Speak. Um okay. I started writing that book in 2012 and it was published in 2015. Gotcha. Um, were, when you first started writing that book, did you have a sense of genre of, um, you know, story structure? Did, did you, did you have an idea and say, this is the kind of book that I want to write? And, and I ask that because, um, I know for me, especially, and, and a lot of other people I've talked to, you, a lot of times in the beginning, you don't really understand where your story is going to fit. You just kind of tell the story that's coming out of you. And then the rest of that, you know, you kind of shape it up later or, or whatever. Did, yes. Did you have an idea of, about all of that part of it? I knew nothing. <laughs> I I just thought I want to write this book. I, I knew it was probably it was going to be women's fiction. I knew that, but I didn't really know anything else. I just knew that I wanted to get this story out there. And then I remember thinking once it's done, I'll know what it is. <laughs> mm. yeah. So, you know, that that's kind of how I looked at it, especially in the beginning. Yeah. How long did it take you to write that first book? About. I think probably seven months for the first draft. And then I had to, you know, of course do all went in and did the editing and um, it took several edits and rewrites before a publisher picked it up. Um, but the first, the first draft probably six or seven months. Okay. Um, it's fascinating that your first book that you wrote is the first book that you published um, because a lot of people have books that they write it it doesn't work for whatever reason or there's it, it doesn't fit the market at the time or, you know, whatever the reason is, but it, it doesn't sell. And you scrap that book or put it in a desk drawer or a trunk and start over with something else. And then other people finish this book and it may not be publishable at the time. But like you said, you, you go through rewrites and, and redrafts and it eventually becomes the thing that goes to market. Um, do, do you have any sense of what that difference is? What what makes a book, um, what makes a writer give up on a project or at least shelve it, go to another one versus like you did, keep working on the book until it becomes the book that it needs to be? I, I'm not sure. I think for me, I, at the time, I just had this one story I wanted to tell. And I didn't have all of the, the ideas floating through my head for new stories at first. That yeah. came a little bit later. Now I feel like I have 8,000 stories in my head. But I think for me, I had this one story. And so it was easy for me to focus on it because I didn't have all of these other projects out here that I wanted to work on. I just had this one thing that I wanted to finish, that I wanted to stick with. And so for me, I think that's probably why. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, so did you... Um 
did you you landed an agent uh, during this process? What what was that? What, what was the process of? Okay, I have a finished book now. What do I do with it? I <laughs> I went out and bought the 2013 Guide to Literary Agents. I don't think they make that anymore, but it was like I haven't the seen Bible. it in a while. But yeah, it was I, a, a big honking book. Yes, and I so I I spent. You know, I, I would write and then at night after I got my son to sleep, I would read as much as I could about the industry, about literary agents, about querying. Um, and so I bought this guide to literary agents and I bought a pack of highlighters and I went through and highlighted. I had a system. So like pink were the agents that I thought would be the most likely to be interested. And I just kind of went down the line and I did the pinks first. And once I got all the rejections from the pink, <laughs> I moved to the, you know, orange and got, you know, I, I probably had a hundred rejections before I got that one. Yes. And I think a lot of people feel like, well, they get two or three rejections and they're like, Oh, maybe I need to write another book or, you know, I just plowed through because I thought, well, the worst anybody can say is no. Right. You know, and I got the one yes, and that was that was all I needed. Yeah. What What were some of the conversations like with your new husband? Uh, <laughs> start writing a book, and then you know, start trying to break into the industry. He's he has always been so supportive. When we first met, I told him, you know, I have a master's degree in creative writing, so I'm. Uh, weird, <laughs> uh, you know, and he knew that I was a writer before I wrote my first novel. I wrote a lot of um, short story, like nonfiction short stories and a lot of poetry. And so he knew that I liked to write. I just I think at first he looked at it as this fun little hobby, you know, this project I was working on that kind of gave me my own you know, my own thing. And, uh, then it became something else. And, uh, I think he was probably as surprised, surprised as I was <laughs> that it actually worked and that we're here. <laughs> yeah. Um, so after you published that first book, um, when in this process, do you start thinking about repeating the process and going through this again? I started once, once I got my literary agent, um, and we were, I think I did one rewrite uh, after that, before we started sending it out to publishers. I started writing another book pretty much right after that. I had to put it on hold a couple of times because I, I did, I think I did at least two more rewrites on Sit, Stay, Speak. Um, but in the meantime, I had this book sort of on the back burner that I was working on. And when Sit, Stay, Speak came out in 2015, I already had my second book finished because it, you know, it was what, a year? For that process. Yeah. And, and so I had a lot of, I won't say a lot of time on my hands, but I had the time to think of a new idea and to begin that process. Um, at, at what point, you know, we, we, we talked about earlier, the, in writing that first book and not really uh, understanding or, or caring about, uh, you know, genre and, and where things are going to fit on the shelves in the bookstore and, you know, all the stuff that, that, you know, comes later. Um, when did, did, when did you start kind of realizing, okay, this is the kind of genre author that I am. Uh, this is, this is the spot where readers, you know, kind of expect me. And did, did that start having an effect on, uh, your life as a, uh, as a, and your career as a writer and the kind of storyteller that you, that you are that like, when does that start to kind of become a factor? Probably after that first book came out and I realized that people really enjoyed the animal aspect of my book. Um, 
And there was a lot of commentary on that relationship between the main character and the, the, I say the main character dog, because he he is a big part of the first book. And I realized really quickly that I wanted to continue that momentum. And that was easy for me because I have pets and I worked in animal rescue for years and years. So it's really easy for me to incorporate animals in my books because I don't know how to live without a pet. But I, I think I think definitely after that first book and I thought, oh, OK, this is this is something I can work with. I can do this. I can be the, the dog lady. This will work. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, so the, your second book, um, you said you kind of immediately started following that up. What was the second book that you wrote and published? Just Fine with Caroline. Gotcha. Um, and, and you um, you have written uh, the um, the sisters Hemingway. That that one is is a bit of a departure from your other books. A little bit. Um, it's it's got three main character point of views, which is something I had never done before. Right. I like, I like to do things that are a little bit different with each book, sort of challenge myself to do something that I haven't done. Um, and so I had the, the three main character point of views and then the, the animals in that book aren't really as prominent. They're there, but they don't take up as much of the story as the previous animals, you know, in the other books did. Um, right. so it was, it was, it was a lot different. <laughs> yeah. Um, what, was it fun to kind of stretch those muscles, if you will, that, you know, and, and kind of break out of the um, I, I, I don't want to use the word formula because that's not what I mean. But you, you know what I'm. What yeah, I'm yeah I mean, like it kind of like, is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah you know, um, but it was fun. I really enjoyed it. I I felt it felt fun because I had all of these three different point of views and I could sort of tell, weave the story through all three of them. So it didn't get, I don't know if boring is the right word, but you know, when you're reading a book and yeah. you know that this scene is just the vehicle to get to the important bits. And I right. felt like I didn't have to do that as much that there was, you know, we, I had these three main points of view and they just sort of moved the story for me, which, right. which was really fun. Yeah. Um, last Christmas, you published Christmas in Blue Dog Valley. Uh, and then we've got the new book now, um, Christmas at Corgi Cove. Um, was, was this a, a conscious shift that, that you wanted to, to write some of these seasonal books? And, and what, did, what did it bring to your creative life to kind of have this motif to, to kind of work off of? It was really wasn't intentional. I think I came up with the titles and just really wanted to, to, to use them. Um, but the book that came out before Christmas at Blue Dog Valley was, uh, it's called Maps for the Getaway. And it is also a little bit of a departure because it's a road trip movie. It has three or movie book, road trip book <laughs> yeah. has, has three po- main points of view. Um, but the, the friends in that book are dealing with the death of a friend. Um, and I, I lost my best friend in 2016 to cancer. And so that book was really important to me to write, but it was really hard. Yeah. And so Christmas at Blue Dog Valley was, was intentional in that it was a departure from that, but I felt like heaviness and I could do something fun and light um, that maybe didn't have so much trauma (laughs) a little bit, you know, and, and Christmas at Corgi Cove is kind of the same way. They're just, they, they've been such a joy to write and um, I needed that. 
I, I had a similar experience where I had written a story that was very emotionally draining and I needed just a, a palate cleanser for yes. you know, lack of a better word. And that became the thing that I wrote then when I just didn't have any expectations on it and just kind of let it be what it was going to be was like my my most well-received story, the one that that I didn't overthink going into it. And, you know, and, and of course, you, you then want to follow up that, well, I'm just going to write everything without putting any thought in. No, that's that's not that's not what I'm saying. But but there is something to be said for just switching gears and just kind of letting the magic happen. It's nice. And like you said, sometimes you need a palate cleanse. And it's so interesting what people, what resonates with people and what they love. And it can be really surprising. Right. Right. So what, what was it about the Christmas story? What, what kind of caught your attention there or, or, you know, made you want to pursue that? I love Christmas stories. Um, I like to read them. I am that basic white girl who likes Hallmark movies, you know, um, and I, I like to write what I like to read. Um, yeah. And I, I wrote my first Christmas book in 20, it came out in 2017 called Pupcakes. And that was so fun. And I really enjoyed it. And I thought, why didn't I? It's been like three books, four books. Why haven't I gone back to that? So I just thought I want to. I want to do something Christmassy. And luckily my editor was open to that. Um, and it just sounded fun. So I did it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and there's something fun about uh, a holiday themed book. Um, um, you know, you, you just kind of instantly tap into emotions and um, there's, there's, there's a stream already flowing and you yes. just get to tap into it. You know, it's, yes. it's hard to describe, but you, you kind of go into it with, with bases loaded in a lot yeah, of ways. Yeah, it's like a like, preset, yes. you know, you know what you've got. And if you want, you can start with, you got Halloween and Thanksgiving and Christmas and you can just hit all of the, you know, and it, it makes it a little bit easier when you already right. have those things in place. Right. Um, what the the one thing that I'm the most fascinated with when I talk to authors is where stories begin. And I don't mean in the trite sense of where do you get your ideas from? Because, you know, story ideas are everywhere. <laughs> but there's something about that idea that just floats higher than the rest uh, or um you know, maybe you're watching a movie and you're like, oh, this gives me a certain feeling. And and then you want to pursue that, you know, with a with a new story. Or maybe you're watching a news article or something and you start playing the what if game. And then all of a sudden you start kind of casting this what if game with with characters. And then you're like, well, who is she? And, you know, where'd she come from? And, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, the wheels start spinning. And then uh, in one moment, a book like Christmas at Corgi Cove does not exist in any mm-hmm. form or fashion, but then you, you know, whatever the catalyst is that kicks off and you start pursuing this in your mind and then the book does exist and it's your job as the author to kind of dig it up and dust <laughs> it off and excavate it and then, you know, rewrite and polish and all that kind of stuff. So what is the moment of creation like for you? Hmm. <laughs> Usually, uh, you mean when it when the idea first comes, or when I first start? Yeah. Like, like what is what is the thing that kicks off that that you it it doesn't exist at all, and then in in 
some strange fashion, it does exist. And then you as the author start figuring it out. A lot of times it will be when I am going to bed at night (laughs) and my, you know, I'm trying to turn my brain off, but I can't because that's who I am as a person. And I start thinking about these characters or the scene or something that I, like you said, that I've watched or that I've read. And I thought, oh, that would make a good story. Or I want to steal this element, right, of this story or the story I heard or this character. And I think, how can I make this something that will work? And I know I've got something good when I go to bed thinking about it at night for several nights in a row. And then I'm like, okay, this is going to be a story because I'm continually thinking about it. Because there are tons of ideas that come in and out. But the ones that stick are the ones that I try to to use to create. Yeah. Tell me about the character of Rosie Reynolds. So Rosie is... Well, she's a transplant in in this small Texas town, Um, but she's been there for a while and she's found that even though you get the sense at first that she doesn't really want to be there as as a younger you know teenager but 10 years later she is like fully in right to this um little texas town helping her aunt and uncle run this bed and breakfast and she loves it and for rosie the most important thing in her life are her aunt and uncle and this little bed and breakfast called corgi cove it is really the center of her universe and she is terrified that she's going to lose that because especially at the beginning for Rosie, she doesn't really know who she is, right? Without, without this life that she's built, what does her, the rest of her life look like? Um, and so that's really, that's really who Rosie is. Just somebody who's, who's very um, into this little universe that she's created for herself. Yeah. What is it that's so fun about corgis? They're so cute. <laughs> I don't, I don't own a Corgi. I'm a bulldog and pug lady, um, gotcha. but I have lots of friends who have Corgis and their little personalities are just, they're so special and they have, you know, they're in charge, right? They'll, they'll tell you when they don't like something. Um, they decide who they like and who they don't like. And they're just so cute. And my, my 12 year old loves corgis, always wanted a corgi. Um, so may, maybe someday, but he, you know, he would have pictures of corgis or would talk about cute corgis he saw on the internet. And for some reason, the corgi just sort of stuck right in my brain. Plus I like alliteration. So Christmas at Corgi Cove is just, you know, it works. Writes itself. Writes itself. Um, so we've got Rosie who has built this idyllic life, um, and but we wouldn't have a story without some conflict. Um, how did you, um, you know, dream in your masochistic brain, um, you know, horrible things to do to Rosie? Well, you know, I, I live in a small town in the Missouri Ozarks, and uh, there are a lot of these little towns, especially across the, the United States, you know, the little resort towns, sometimes they come, they have these bigger corporations come in, right? Yeah. Buy up the land and build hotels. And, and, um, I've seen that happen, you know, where I live and, and in other areas. And I thought, well, that would be something yeah. <laughs> if, if poor Rosie's, you know, family is getting ready to lose their, their bed and breakfast to this big corporation, because how do you stop that? Right. In real life. You, right. you don't usually. Um, but, you know, when it comes to a book, anything is possible. And I, I wanted 
wanted to have that conflict um, because I thought that that would make for a good character because she's going to have to figure out who she is without perhaps all of these things that she has um, built her life around. Yeah. Um, I I live um, near the Mississippi Gulf Coast and about 20 or 30 years ago, the casino industry moved in and a lot of our coastline was transformed from what it used to be to what it is now. And, um, you know, good, bad, or indifferent, you know, everybody's entitled to their opinion, but, um, there's lots of story, uh, fodder there and, you know, the big corporations coming oh, yeah. in and, you know, and that's a, that's something that everyone can relate to in one way or another. I think, you know, no matter where you live in the country, you've seen this pattern of, uh, behavior. So that, that was ripe for, for telling a, a, a gripping story at for sure. Um, we we wouldn't have um, a great conflict in a in a rom com of sorts if we didn't have uh, tension with a person that you know brings conflicted um, emotions too. So what? Tell me about the foil that you that you dreamt up. I I love an enemies to lovers trope. It is my favorite. Uh, And, you know, Rosie is sort of at a place in her life where she's not really thinking about that. Right. She, she's not thrilled with this guy who's come in to, to try to buy the, the cove. And I thought, wouldn't it be funny (laughs) if the the two of them, you know, they, they, they don't like each other, of course, at first. Um, But as they get to know more about each other and as their situation becomes more complicated, right. Because it always does has to get more complicated. They start to, figure out maybe we don't hate each other like you know we we thought we did um and i also like the idea of a big city guy coming into a small town because so often we see the big city girl right she comes in she meets the small town guy and then she gives up her life in the big city for the guy and i kind of wanted to hallmark movie yeah we yeah Yeah. all of them every single one (laughs) to exist so i thought you know it it might be and I've written that book, right? So I thought, yeah. well, maybe it would be fun if it's the big city guy who comes in instead of the big city girl. Um, and this was my first time writing a book where I used uh, like the male, you know, main character, his point of view. Um, so that was really fun for me because I'd never done that before. Gotcha. Um, Annie, did, did I hear that you um, have struggled with um, rheumatoid arthritis? Yes. I also um, have have dealt with rheumatoid arthritis, and there are days where your hands just hurt, your knuckles swell, you know, your fingers don't want to move like you want them to. And it's, you know, um, it, it, it hasn't been debilitating, but it's frustrating, I think, is, yes. is a good descriptor. Um, how have you dealt with it? And do you feel like having um, a condition that can affect the the thing that you love to do the most. Um, h- how do you work through that? And, and has it uh, affected your creative life? It, so I started writing Christmas at Corgi Cove um, 
right after I was diagnosed and right around the time I was, you know, fighting my insurance company for medication approval. So I was basically in a flare where my hands yeah. are, of course, it centers in my hands, of course, course. you know, of course. Um, and it made it really hard because it can make you really tired. Yeah. And then you're in all this pain and you're trying to type on a computer when you can barely move your fingers. Yeah. Um, and that was that was really difficult because I, I, you know, I already had to give up so many things because there are just some things I couldn't do, especially before I, you know, got the medication I have now. And I worried a little bit. What if I, what if I can't do it or what if I can do it, but I can't do it in the timeline that I need to do it. Cause I might have a week or two where I just can't write. Um, and I don't, I don't even, I mean, I mean, I just did it. You, you do it because you have to. Right. Yeah. Um, and I thought, I'm going to get through this book. I'm going to get through this book. I'm going to do it. Even if it kills me. <laughs> um, and and you know, that's what I did. I took a lot of ibuprofen, <laughs> yeah. which didn't do a lot. Um, and I, I tried to find the most comfortable place I could. And I did it for as long as I could. And then I would, you know, stop. And I tried to be kind to myself and my body in the process and not, you know, well, maybe I could sit and write for four hours at a time last year, but I can't do that now. So I'm going to do what I can do when I can do it. And that helped just allowing myself that, you know, courtesy, I guess. Yeah. Well, we are so glad that you, um, we're able to get through that to to now we have Christmas at Corgi Cove that's available everywhere today. Um, any, I know that, you know, if we understand how the publishing industry works, this book has probably been off your desk for a while now. Um, what are you working on these days? I just finished uh, my ninth novel. It's called Spring Fling, so not a Christmas book. Um, and so that now is on to my editor and I'm just sort of awaiting, you know, her notes after she gets through it. Um, and then I have another little kernel of an idea for a book, which is a Christmas book. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to see if they'll let me write another Christmas book here pretty soon because I just, I don't know, maybe that's just my thing. I love it. So that's, well, that's what I'm hoping to work on next. Well, Christmas at Corgi Cove, um, you definitely can tell that this is uh, coming from a place of love. Uh, we're going to put links to it in the show notes of this episode. If you don't have a great local bookstore uh, to go visit, go visit and support local bookstores. But if you don't have one, we're going to put links to it in the show notes of this episode. Um, have you gotten a chance to listen to the audiobook uh, yet, Annie? I am actually listening to it right now. It's the way I, I listen to it because it's easier to listen to than read. Yeah. Um, I don't like to read my <laughs> my own stuff. Um, so I'm yeah, listening to it right now because I, that's how I find if there are any errors, anything that we missed, I'll hear it um, so we yeah. can fix it. So I'm, I'm listening to it right now. Love it. Well, like I said, we're going to put links to it in the show notes. Go grab Christmas at Corgi Cove today. Um, Annie, if people are just discovering you and you want to follow along the journey and dig into your back catalog and all that good stuff, is there a place online where they can connect with you and and get all the the info? Oh, yeah. So I have a, my Facebook is Annie England Noblin, um, and that's where I post a lot of updates or release stuff. Um, I also have a TikTok, Annie Noblin Writes, um, and that's where you get, I guess, more of the the, the real me, <laughs> the, the weird me. Uh, so if you if you know, I, I post there quite a bit. So those are probably the best two places. 
Great. We'll link those up in uh, in the show notes as well to make it easier for folks to find you. Christmas at Corky Cove, available everywhere today. Go grab your copy. Annie, this has been so much fun chatting. Thank you uh, so much for taking time to come on the show. Thank you for having me. This was fun. Fun. That's our episode for today. There's so much more to come as we talk to authors about the craft of writing, but also the business of publishing. Be sure to subscribe to the StoryCraft Cafe podcast in your favorite podcast app so that you never miss an episode. The StoryCraft Cafe is made possible by Dabble. Writing a book is challenging. Your writing tool should not be. Dabble is an easy-to-use online writing tool packed with helpful features that allow beginning novelists and published authors to create amazing stories. Visit us at DabbleWriter.com and start your free trial today. Thanks for listening.